right now, Brooklyn 107 to Milwaukee 100. And uh, first of all, um, today is Martin Luther King Day. His daughter's been posting pictures of them all day. And this was where she had to have been maybe two or three years old. She was very young. And, uh, you know, you are a black man. Talk to us how, uh, you know, what does this day mean to you? And uh, from where he was fighting, you know, it's still fighting. So tell us everything. Well, uh, thanks for this. Uh, this thing means a lot the way that um, Dr. King means a lot, the way that he fought for his beliefs. He fought for what he believes was would be a better America for everyone, not just colored people. He wanted um, blacks to be treated on the same equal counterpart, on the same equal level as our white counterparts. And it's not to be better. He's not trying to say, oh, um, this is superior. He was talking about doing right, social justice, trying to bring change and to try to put blacks and whites to be treated equally, not to be used, but to fight for what you believe in. And we've come a long way from segregation. We've, um, we've, we've come so far, we've come a long way, but there's still plenty of work to do. There's still so much that needs to be left, but his impact and legacy will live on forever. And this day means a lot, and it's, and it's not so much like the day. And I feel like, and I'm guilty of this too, but to a small degree. But I feel like a lot of people do this. It's like the quotes, um, the quotes that people be using of Dr. King, it's all well and good, but we need to put the quotes of Dr. King into action. It's good to quote him and whatnot, but what Dr. King truly wants was be better, do better, do things one day at a time. If you can't do the big victories, focus on the small victories. And I feel like instead of just quoting him on this day, on his day, we need to actually take his words and put it into practice. The term practice what you preach, I feel like we as a society need to practice what Dr. King was preaching and do more for each other. Yeah, I I agree, you know, but there has came a long way, you know, no white restrooms, no just white fountains, you know, no no sitting in the back of a bus and so many great people wanted to fight and you know, it's it's not so much as be better, but I think he mainly wanted f just for everyone to be treated the same. No superior race, you know, where we're all people, and everyone has to take the time. If you don't have Amazon Prime, I'm sure you can get a free trial. You need to watch One Night in Miami. Fantastic movie. Regina King has always done her thing. But this movie 
is fantastic. Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, Malcolm X. Fantastic. You know what? It was so good. I might watch it again tonight. That is how good that movie is. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. Um, and they're just hanging out all together one night. And you see a lot of sad parts. You see a lot of crazy parts. You see funny parts. And the ending scene is just wow. Like, you're like, oh my god, you know? Um, but so many, so many fantastic movies based off true stories. And those are some of my favorite movies, man. Even though there are sad parts, but it's so raw, it's so emotional. And, you know what, you, you are right. Where, you know, people... Don't celebrate Martin Luther King every day, right? And maybe we should, you know. Just like there was an episode of Family Matters to where Laura and Steve want, wanted to get a black history class just so you can celebrate all good black people have done all year round, not just for one month. And, you know, of course I'm not giving anything away here, so... There was a lot of racial tension in the school amongst the white and blacks. And someone wrote the N-word on Laura's locker. You know, go back to Africa. And then the last scene, she and her friend Max and Thieve put pictures and everything black people has done. And, you know, some guy, I think his name was Haley something... He did like the first transplant, heart transplant or something like that. And the guy didn't even know. He was like, oh, I thought so-and-so did it. Um, but there always has to be a first. So, you know, so pe- pe- people like this got to be celebrated every day. And not just amongst the black culture, not amongst the Hispanic culture, not, not just as whites. We as people got to celebrate great people. It's not that they're great for being black. They're not great for being white. It's great people. And let's just start doing that. And, you know, this is this is another reason why I wanted James to be my co-host, man. Because if, if it was just me or if I had another white person, sure, we could talk about this stuff. But... Maybe it might not come off right, or maybe people might say, oh, what do you really know about racial injustice, right? What, you know, what do you know about suffering and blah, blah, blah. And all, and all that would be true. I wouldn't take offense to that, but it's just true. So, you know, James being a part of this podcast, and we can talk about stuff like this. We can bounce stuff off each other, and we as a world just have to get better. Because, again, there was a video circulating today about the Capitol. And a, I, I didn't hear the sound. But from looking at the comments, it sounded like the cop was asking the man to back away or something. Or like, don't, don't do what you're going to do. And then you, you hear it all again, right? If he was black, how would it have gone down, right? Maybe the cop takes out his gun. 
Maybe he says, don't take one more step. Maybe he pulls the trigger. Right? So, that's that stuff got to change too, man. I'm sorry. If, if me and James are walking down the block, and James is in a suit, and I look dirty, and I have stains on my sweat, sweats, and I have a gun on me, I can't be the one to be able to walk home at night. To, to lay in my bed at night. And James is in a cell. So until that part changes in society. You know what man. It's going to stay the same. I agree. And I know. This movie that I'm about to bring up. And you're thinking like. Alright. That has nothing to do with the conversation. But if you listen to the new world. You're definitely going to bring up. And make total relevant to this day. Nick, I'm sure you've seen this movie, and I'm sure we talked about this before. Remember the Titans? Of course. You know that scene, that nurse scene where the white dude was in the hospital bed, and the black guy came up, and the nurse said, oh, um, only, um, only um, family yep. members are allowed? Yep. And you know what the white dude said? You know what the white dude said? Something like, what do you mean, that's my brother, can't you tell? Something like that. Yep. And I take, and I say this because society needs to watch that movie again. You need to watch that movie again and understand that even though it's a sports movie, there's a lot of real life things that you can take from that. Especially race, attention, a lot of things that you can take from that you can apply today. And instead of just talking about what, Do- what Dr. King meant, and he meant a lot, we need to start putting his words into practice. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think that's what Dr. King always preaches. Practice what you preach. It shouldn't be, a, it's kind of like, like those Fugazi holidays, like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day. Like, <laughs> yeah, so like, 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 hear me out, hear me out. Yeah, like Valentine's Day, of course, you know, days for your significant other, you want to, like, make them feel special. Yes, Mother's Day, you want to do something nice for your mom. But shouldn't every day, you should be, you should do something nice for your mom. Shouldn't every day, you should do something for your significant other. Shouldn't every day that you should try to put the words of Dr. King into action, it doesn't even have to be all his words, but just one little small step at a time. Because the only way we're going to learn to be better is we have to understand the air of our ways and do better. It's not so much getting hand-me-downs and having people feel sorry for us and say, oh, well, you know, we want to give you a pat on the back. Nah, it's giving people the respect that they should deserve. And it goes into the same thing with the NFL, about hiring minority coaches, like the Rooney Rule. It's the same tie-in. It's the same tie-in. I hate the rule. I know Nick, you hate the rule. It's you you're basically giving a handout to people because you know, because they're because they're minorities. You should be able to hire people based on the merit of their abilities to coach. Same same thing with interviewing people. And and we were talking about this off 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 recording and I'll say it again. The Rooney Rule is stupid too because it's forcing people to interview someone 
they may not have wanted to interview. And you know what? That's wrong too. Okay? So, and at the end of the day, does it really matter? What's the color of the skin of the coach? Really? Is that what we care about? Is it going to make that much of a difference if the enemy is the head coach of the Texans? Deshaun's still going to want to go. He basically said without saying, if the owner's out of here, I'm staying. I'm good. Owners, no one can fire McNair. Nobody. The only way he cannot be the owner of the Texans is is he has to... He has to be racist. He has to... He has to do slavery. He has to rape a female. He has to... He ha- he has to lose money. He has to do stuff, something like this. Alright? You know? So, other than that, he's, he's staying. He's here. And, you know what, too? Players... If I'm the Texans... I don't care if I have to trade Deshaun Watson. I'm not trading him just to trade him. That would be doing disservice. Same like the Reds. If you don't demand Gleyber Torres, you know what? The Yankees don't get to get Luis Castillo. Alright? They don't get to have him. If you can't give me a first, a third, and a fifth, or a fourth, or a fourth and fifth for Deshaun Watson... You can't have him, alright? So, they can't just do a third and a fifth just to get him. They can't just do a second and a fifth just, just to trade him. You know what? He has... Owners gotta, gotta flex. We all know Deshaun Watson is not sitting out four or five years for the next for his contract. If he's not doing it, it's not gonna happen. So owners gotta stop being scared. When you sign that contract, what did he think was gonna change with the team? Maybe, maybe, maybe don't believe every word that comes out of someone's mouth. Alright? So I don't feel pity for them. He's gonna pay millions and millions of dollars to throw a goddamn football. And you know, you know, we're about to get into our guests, so, so I wanna say something kinda light. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks, and I want to know how many people are going to get into a relationship just to get a Valentine's Day gift. And, and, and I, I guess I'll just say it, women, right? It's, it's, it's mainly women that really, really care about Valentine's Day, you know? So, I wonder... You know, do be because I I'm not saying all. It's definitely not all, but I know there has to be women that do that. We'll just get into a relationship just before Valentine's Day, and then maybe a day or two after, or a week or two after, they break up with them. So I want to know if you're a woman, do you do that? Have you done that? Why did you or why have you done that? Was it just for the free stuff? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. If I was a woman, I would do that. 
Well, uh... Wouldn't you? I'm not a woman, so I can't answer that. If, if you was a woman, though, wouldn't you do that? No, I wouldn't do that. I think that's just awful. You're full of shit. Wow. That is wild. That is wild. I mean, currently, right now, the, the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks are tied at 119. About a minute 30 and some change, so... Hopefully the Milwaukee Bucks can hold it down because you know Excuse you. We, we got two Excuse you. We got two New York teams winning on Monday King Day. I think that's enough. I think two is fine. I don't think we need to see three. We have the New York Knicks win to go to it's, seven. It's it's funny, those two teams just happen to be your teams. I mean I mean I mean that's that, that's up for debate. That's up for debate. <laughs> Joe Harris with the trade. But we're about to get onto our guest, Miss Jillian Guerin. She is a play-by-play for a minor league team, the Visalia Rawhide. They are of the Arizona Diamondbacks affiliate, and they were the 2019 California League champs. And she was just on the We Belong podcast, and we 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 had Liddy on a couple of you know a couple of weeks back. Um, her Colts, her Colts couldn't really go far in the playoffs, but uh, we like women in sports out here, and I don't want you know women getting mad for me saying that V Day thing, but but I know it exists. I know it happens. Don't don't think y'all slick, okay? <laughs> you know, just laugh with us, have fun with us, and uh, y'all enjoy this interview. And more importantly, we'll we'll talk about it a little before we end this. But happy Martin Luther King Day. So before we get into the funness of what you do with baseball, um. Today is Martin Luther King Day, so uh-huh. tell us your thoughts on the day. You know, you know what this day represents to you and your other feelings on today. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like we just with the entire political climate of America, um, today means a little bit more than what it has in the past, and. With it being Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I'm a white woman, it didn't mean that much to me when I was younger. I knew that he did a lot for black people and people of color, and that's kind of like all I really knew growing up. And now that I'm 24 and more knowledgeable and still trying to learn, today means that much more to me, especially with the political climate (laughs) of America again. Um, I... I think today needs to be more of a day of reflection and really looking in and seeing, like, are you doing everything that you can for the person next to you? Um, I, I think that's what today needed to be, and that's what I did today. Hey, Julie. Um, well, first off, this is James. The other half of the and secondly, as an African-American male myself, um, Obviously, MLK Day means a lot to me, and glad that we've come a long way, but there's still a lot more work to be done 
And yep. I feel like, as I feel personally for me is, instead of working at the big picture, because we all want to look at the big picture. I think we all think big, big, big. But in order to get to the big picture, you got to start small. Do what you can do for you so that other people can see it and you can grow up and then you can go up and then get to the bigger picture because my thing is that you can't solve everyone's, you can't solve the world's problems in one day, but if you can solve minor, my own, your own problems one day at a time, it can only help. That's true. That's a great outlook to have. Um, Absolutely. So tell us, because we think it's awesome that you do play-by-play, by, play by play. What made you want to get into that? And how long have you been doing play-by-play for? Mm-hmm. So I'm the play-by-play announcer for the Visalia Rawhide. We're now the single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Or at least we will be once uh, all the contracts are signed. But uh, 2019 was my first season doing play-by-play for them. And... Uh, so I really technically only have one full season under my belt. This is going to be my third year with the organization. Um, but I kind of have, at least I think, it's not the cliche story of someone who wanted to be a broadcaster. I wasn't the kid sitting in front of a TV with a fake microphone um, calling the game. I was I was an athlete. I played softball in school. I played softball all the way through college. Um Softball and baseball really is my first love. Um, it's, I attribute so many of my, like, like, I wouldn't be the same person without it. And I loved talking about sports. I just liked talking about the strategy of it. And in middle school, there was, you know, the stereotype that girls don't know about sports. And the middle school boys made sure that they, I knew that they thought that, and I went home and kind of complained to my mom about it, and she said, well, Jill, you like sports, you talk a lot, why don't you become a broadcaster? And I think she said it kind of jokingly, or just, like, mentioning it. She doesn't even remember this conversation, but I remember it so vividly, and that was when I decided I was going to be a broadcaster. Like, I just kind of, like, woke up one day and decided that's what I wanted to do. Um, and... I took it and ran with it. I was 12 years old when I decided to do that. And at my eighth grade graduation, I gave a speech and I told the audience that I was going to be the play-by-play broadcaster for the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> so I went from there. Uh, I'm assuming that Boston is your favorite, the Boston Red Sox are your favorite baseball team. Like that's big uh, assumed. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. My, my dad's from um, Lawrence, Massachusetts, so kind of was born in my blood. Oh. Oh, I have a friend up that, 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 that's in New Bedford, so I, Boston, like, ran, like, Red Sox ran Supreme there, but I have to ask, so, growing up a Red Sox fan, and having that, still have that in mind, because it could still happen, um, what, what, what was it about, um, falling in love with the Boston Red Sox that made you want to, pers- made you want to hopefully announce for them? What? Yeah, um, I mean, like, it's embarrassing, but my first crush, my childhood crush, was Pedro Martinez. <laughs> I associated him. I associated him with the Red Sox. I would say to my dad, "Is Pedro playing?" And Pedro meant the Red Sox. I only cared about him. Uh, the year that I was actually able to start following the Red Sox and understanding baseball a little bit more was when I was eight. 
and the Red Sox happened to win the World Series that year in 2004. So it was kind of just perfect for me, and then I loved listening to Don Arcello and Jerry Remy on Netflix growing up. I loved how much fun they have, how, how they just laughed all the time, and that's what I want to do. I want to talk about baseball and laugh. That's, that's awesome, and I love that conversation with your mom because... And, and still to this day, you know, so many guys think like that. Like, they, they, so many took the time when Sarah Fuller was playing for Vanderbilt to kill her Instagram posts, to kill her on Twitter. And that's, that's what made us do this whole women in sports initiative because a, a lot of you ladies kick ass, you know your stuff. You're, you're, you you got sports knowledge, you know what you're talking about, and you're not just going to stay in the kitchen. You're, you're, you're not just going to mind your business. You're not liking them just because they're cute, you know? And more got to do that. People just have to understand, you know, why can't we just let people do what they want to do without... St- calling names or stereotypes like a man can be a chef a man can be a housemaid yeah. a man can be a ballet dancer right no one's gonna yeah. come at them but oh no a woman a woman want, wants to play sports or a woman wants to work construction and 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 that's all of a sudden a problem and that's just not cool uh, absolutely i mean you hit the nail on the head it's and what happened with Sarah Fuller was ridiculous. Not only were they, um, like, hating on her for playing football and for being a kicker, and they hated on her for the first kick that she had, but, like, they were, like, hoping she was going to be killed and raped. Like, that's messed up. I just, I, and because she's a chick on a football field, you hope she's raped? Are you kidding me? Like it, it was mind-boggling to me. I, I I had to get off Twitter that day. It was it, it hurt me. I didn't see that one. That's wild. But I did see. Oh, what's gonna happen when a two hundred and fifty plus pound lineman hits her? Is she is she gonna die? Is her bones gonna break? Will she be able to handle it? And in my head, I'm thinking, like, think about it. Women can do the one thing that no man can do. And if a woman can give birth, okay, that's probably the most painful thing in the world. No man would have the tolerance to do that. And... It's just the hatred that some people have in their heart. And it's always the dudes, right, that are like 40 plus years old. They're in their mom's basement. They're trying to get the Wi-Fi password. And they yell to the stairs, Hey, Ma, can you make some meatloaf? I gotta talk to this, I gotta talk to this girl who's on the TV right now because, because I know she'll read my replies. You know, I, Ma, I gotta be social media famous. I gotta attack a woman. Hey, Ma, you gotta make me meatloaf. Meanwhile, well, 
he's he wants a woman to do something for him. His mother. And another thing that drives me crazy is how people can trash talk women, but they'll want their mother, their grandmother, their aunt, their cousins, and their sisters, all their female family, to be respected. But yet, they'll disrespect women. That's wild to me. Yeah, I, it's, I've, I've hit the point, and I don't know if it's a defense mechanism, but I, I like, I laugh at it at this point. It's, it's mind-boggling. It doesn't make any sense. And, and I, I find it comical. I laugh. People tell me, you know, don't read the comments. Don't, don't read into those things. But it's, and then I shouldn't do, like, deep comment dives on things like that. But I do, just to kind of look at it and... I can never understand it. I, you have to laugh at it. It's crazy because it's like, all I know what is that I promise you, not even half, a good 80% of those people would never say it to, to a woman's face. 100%. They just hide behind a keyboard. And they kind of they hide behind a keyboard to make themselves look tough. And I've always said this straight up that there are people that, that goes on the internet, just like Twitter, to act all tough, to get 15 minutes of fame. But I promise you, if this was the real world, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it because you don't have anywhere to run, anywhere to hide. You're right up in the open because you know that there are consequences for your actions. And now on a positive note, um, Kim, Kim, um, Kim Ong was, Kim um, was, Kim Ang was hired to be the Marlin Jail manager, obviously Sarah Fuller, first woman to be in to be in a in a Power Five conference. You're seeing a lot of positive things happen in the in the sporting industry led by women. As a woman yourself, Julie, does that give you more more pride and more confidence, especially with Washington football team making hires, you're seeing other teams hiring women and their coaching staff, you're seeing Becky Hammond coach a woman of an NBA game. Are you confident that we can see women managers in all the major sports? Absolutely. I mean, you see, it's, it's almost like becoming a new trend that women are becoming like big, big parts of the sports world. And that's how it should be. Um, there are women fans, and if you are excluding women from the hiring process, you are hindering your team. How, how, why are you just going to automatically not hire someone because they're a woman? You haven't even picked their brain. You haven't decided if they could or could not help your team. Um, and and it, to me, it's, yeah, it gives me confidence and it gives me hope and it, and it just plain makes me happy. But it's more that in order for more girls to believe in themselves and to think that they can do it too, they need to see someone doing it. The fact that it is not only a woman who's a general manager of the Marlins, but an Asian American woman, that's huge. It's, it's all about representation. I mean, I, I, want, I want to become a major league broadcaster because that's what I want to do. But I want to see any other woman become a major league broadcaster because I want little girls to see that they can aspire to more than just what is the cookie cutter female role. Yeah, um, the the Red Sox just hired Bianca Smith a, co- a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she's she's gonna be a coach. 
You got Melanie Newman, who is now doing uh-huh. play-by-play for the Orioles. You have you have Jenny Kavnar, who who did a little play-by-play for the Rockies last year. Um, Ray, Rachel Balkovic with with the Yankees organization. Veronica Alvarez with the A's organization, and uh, I'm blanking on the I'm blanking on the name right now, but there's someone with the Giants as well, and. It's just important, so, you know, and, and and you're right, right? It's like, if you don't see someone that's like you doing something, how do you expect to do it? Because all you're going to think is, if I don't see someone like me up there, how can I do that? You know, and it's just important. Um, Who are... So, in any sport, who are like your top three favorite play by play? Yeah, that's that's hard. And, and by the way, the woman coach for the Giants you're talking about is um, Alyssa Beacon. Um, yeah, that, I'll, I'll go there you go, Nacken. There you go. You're right, Nacken. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, um, but top three play. I mean, it's it's hard because it depends on what area of my life you're talking about. If the, the first, like, two that came to mind were Beth Mowens. Um, I think she has worked her tail off her entire life, and what she, just her versatility is amazing. Um, being a college softball fan and former player, I love listening to her during the Women's College World Series. And the other one is Susan Waldman, again, just with what she had to put up with in the first few years and what she still deals with as a woman broadcaster, although she's not play-by-play, she's an analyst for the Yankees, but I just respect the hell out of her and Beth. Um, And then, again, I already mentioned Don Orsillo and Jerry Remy, but I I love what Don does. I love the passion and the happiness he brings to games. And then, of course, um, again, a Red Sox one, I have to mention Joe Castiglione. I got oh, to work with great. him in 2018 with the Red Sox, but um, I mean, he, he's a legend. He, he he's awesome. He he can remember the most obscure stat from any Red Sox game. Um, he's he's amazing, and everyone who meets him loves him. He's just a genuinely good person. That's crazy. I mean, for me, one of my favorite—I I guess you wouldn't call play-by-play, but I love Aaron Andrews. I guess recording. Mm-hmm. I love Erin Andrews. I think she's fantastic. Ha, ha, Holly Rowe and um, Lisa Salters are like the people that come to my mind. They are, um, those, those are fantastic. Those are fantastic people. And to me, it starts, to me it starts to growing up as a kid when I think baseball. I always watch Sunday Night Baseball, and I love John Miller and Joe Morgan. <laughs> those yeah. two were just fantastic. When, those are just great. And then with basketball, I think of the great Marv Albert. He is fantastic. And his son, Kenny, is pretty damn good, too. Hockey, for me, always starts with the great Doc Emmerich, and I will miss him now that he's no longer calling hockey games anymore. The man has been a legend for over 30 years. And in football... I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a classic, I'm an old school guy. I mean, John Madden and Pat Summerall, those two men, legend, classic, call the games, 
fluid and then Joe Buck too. I don't get why people hate him. He's called fantastic games. He's called World Series. He's called he's called PGA events. He's called Super Bowls. This man is a this man is a goat man, and people need to give him his damn respect. I agree absolutely. Joe, I mean, Joe Buck's a legend. Wow, Beth Beth Mullins has thirty three point eight k followers on Twitter, and I'll 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 be honest. Before you mentioned her name, I didn't know who she was. Um, but I looked her up a little bit. She is mm-hmm. she is a good one for me. Uh, you know baseball. You know Vin Scully. Fan mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, you know, bas- basketball, Mike Breen, and of course, Albert Albert is great as well. Football, uh, Al Al Michaels, great one. You know, and and it's it's important. You know, my Michael K says it all the time. The difference between play by play on TV and play by play on the radio, where radio you have to tell a story because people can't see what's going on. So you have to make it come to life. And then, and then with TV, you just talk and explain about the game and you just got to fill, fill three hours. And, and, and the harder part is probably when it's 19-2 in the seventh inning. You know, you, you got you to gotta think of conversation. So you, you guys are the hearts of the business and... Uh, I can't wait to be able to hear some of your stuff. I'm not a minor league fan, but I'll uh, do my best to try to be able to hear you. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, minor leagues is fun. That's where you can really get to know these players before they make it to the bigs. And with the um, structure of it changing this year, there's less players in each organization. Um, So it's going to be a little bit easier for people to follow, too. Who are new to minors, at least. That's awesome. Um, now, one of the things about minor leagues is obviously being acclimated, um, obviously knowing about what's going on. And now you have this opportunity, like, how are you going to mentally prepare? And given right now we're in these weird times, I guess it's like still, we're still in there, we're still playing in a pandemic. Um, how, how are you able to mentally prepare yourself for, prepare yourself for a potential minor league season? I mean, for I, I basically had a year off in my career with broadcasting because there were no minors in 2020. So I'm just itching at the chance to get behind the mic again. Um, it's going to be different in the minors. You have a lot of other jobs other than broadcasting. I also do media relations, community relations, marketing, social media, and sales. So it's a lot of other things that I'm juggling. But in terms of preparing for a minor league season, it's really just reading up as much as I can in off season. And um, with the rawhide being single A instead of high A, I'm not going to know any of these players personally anymore. It's not going to be the same ones from 2019. So I'm going to be starting over getting to know these guys, which can be fun, but it's just a process. And with the minors, you don't get to go talk to them during spring training. That's 
the major league broadcasters go to spring training, not the minor league broadcasters. So I have like four days before season starts. That's when we get the roster. It's about four days before a season for me to just cram as much knowledge as I can about these guys in. So it's, um, it's interesting getting ready for a minor league season, but in terms of kind of mentally preparing for it with how weird the pandemic is of we don't know when a start date is. We don't really know what exactly is going on just yet. It's just being ready to hit the ground running. Like I am so ready to broadcast games again. I've had so many people critique my reels. Um, I've been, you know, practicing and everything. I'm just ready to do it for real again. I was just about to say, you know, with not being able to, call a game a year when we did have this you know weird 60 game major league baseball season at any point where you you know having the game on mute and and just and just to practice a little bit so you're not coming right off the bat with with no you know just just like keeping your body you know ready and stuff like that yeah, and, and it wasn't necessarily that I was muting the TV for the entire game. It would just be little parts here and there when um, my parents weren't watching the game with me. And it wasn't like I was trying to fill an entire inning and have it be perfect. I was just really trying to get the pace of play down, um, make sure that I had the few fundamentals like down. I want to make sure those are still locked in. That was what I care most about. Right now, I'm not trying to practice filling in stories with the game. That'll come naturally as I practice more in real life. It's more about making sure I have the pace of play, I have the correct terminology, that the words still come off my tongue smoothly um, and effortlessly. So, One of the best parts about announcing is when the team is good and able to call a championship. And I remember... play ever it was a walk-off it was scored the the runner on first who scored was Geraldo Perdomo he was 19 years old at the time and the guy who drove him in was Alec Thomas he was also 19 years old at the time the one of the the two top prospects we had on the team it was you, you couldn't have written it more perfectly and in terms of preparing it was more so just getting my nerves to calm down because it was gonna it was the highest listenership I had all season. The Rawhide do have a really good following, plus all the players, families, and friends are listening. Um, and 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 I was invested, like I was emotionally invested in this team. It you you grind with them, um, and you're right, you do feel like you're a part of the team. And the Rawhide coaching staff and players really did a good job of making me feel welcomed and feel like I was a part of that team. And it was a lot of fun to call that championship game. Um, like, there, there's no other feeling. That's that's so cool. 
you know, um, with with minor league baseball, I'm sure being very busy, especially for stuff you have to do. How much, how much major league baseball, if at all, do you get to watch? Um, not as much as I'd like to. I I should be watching more. Um, at least like you know, there's always an afternoon game on. I should be listening to that game at least on the radio or on my phone. Um. And, and that's something that I need to be better at. I mean, in 2019, I was 22 and young and just trying to get my feet planted on the ground because I felt like I was just drowning the entire season with figuring out what I was supposed to do. Um, but I definitely want to make that a goal to balance that part of work and, and just treat it as a part of my job. I need to listen to other broadcasts. That is literally a part of my job to improve. So it's just something I'm going to have to focus in on more. Uh, what do you think, though, about um, that the, and it's possibly, and know it's old, but it, it's still a controversy, controversy. Obviously, the Dodgers win the World Series. It's great, fantastic. That one won since 88. The whole Justin Turner calm controversy, did you see that? And if you did, what was your reaction in real time? My reaction, I didn't see everything until after the game. And as more news came out about it throughout that, like, first hour after the game, it was crazy. Like, oh, man, he had COVID, he, had COVID and he played. Like, that's scary. This kind of takes away some of the excitement and the happiness. Um, it doesn't for Dodger fans and for the Dodger players, but as a baseball fan, it, it makes me a little uneasy. And the whole, I don't remember exactly what it was anymore, because it feels like forever ago, where it was, I think, an inconclusive test that he had, and that yeah. whole part of it, I'm kind of like, all right, Major League Baseball protocol should have been followed. As long as protocol was followed, I can't, like, really complain about it. But the fact that he came out on the field after it was known that he was COVID positive, hugging his teammates, hugging family members of the teammates and everything like that, taking photos without masks, that was where I just went, where the hell are the adults here? <laughs> I don't understand. And I I, mean, I don't want to like get myself into trouble by, by saying too much, but Justin Turner should have done better, and whoever was in charge of that for the Dodgers should have done better, and Major League Baseball should have done better. And I think every single person ha every single person who has had to has like admitted fault. There hasn't really been a whole lot of um, punishment, but um, that's just the last thing you want to see. Yeah, and that's probably why they didn't punish him at all because. So so many people said it. Um, you know, you know the local show here in New York, the Michael K show, and he's been doing play by play for the Yankees for thirty one, maybe thirty two years now. You know, Major League Baseball should have put him in a car and took him to the hotel. So right off the bat, at first when it first happened, I was fully blaming Justin Turner. How can you be so selfish? Why do you need to kiss your wife with the trophy? You know, why do you need to not wear your mask in the picture? Why why was it so important to you? Why did security not stop him? I'm I'm sure there's security guards 
were 6'5 plus, 300 pounds plus, I'm sure they could have locked them in the room. I'm sure they could have stopped them. But, you know, also what it has to do with, it's, it's who it is, right? Justin Turner's a great guy. Been playing 10 plus years. So, I definitely do get it. Um... Uh, yeah, as as an athlete, I I would want to be on the field too, and I I can't say I, I've never personally won a championship as an athlete. I can't say that I wouldn't break protocol and wouldn't go on the field and that kind of a moment. I I and, and like I'm ashamed to say that, but but I can't tell you that I wouldn't. It's that the quote unquote adults in the room should have not let him. I don't. I think there should have been someone in in the Dodgers organization that should have stood up to him. But again, they also, as a part of that organization, just won a World Series championship, so they're on this championship high too. But someone in Major League Baseball should have prevented it from happening. And I don't see how that could, first of all, happen, but also go on for so long. He wasn't just on the field for one quick photo. Um. Every announcer has a thing, right? Marv Albert has yes. Michael K has see ya. Do you have a call? Or would it just come I, up naturally? No. Yeah, I, I don't have a call. I don't know if that makes me like a bad broadcaster no, or what. No, <laughs> It's, um... I'm, I, I don't know why I don't. I, I think it's because I like the beauty of how every home run is different and I want to describe them the way that they are. Can, can you give us an example? So, like, if it's a ball down the line and it might not be fair or foul, say something like the pitch, deep drive down the right field line, if it's fair, it's gone. It is home run. Alex Thomas, red like rawhide lead three to two, bottom of the seventh, something like that. Obviously, a lot more energy, right? right. <laughs> and a lot better of a call, <laughs> but like like that kind of a thing. Um, or I wanna I wanna know if it barely scraped over the wall, or if it was an absolute moonshot. Um, it's with the rawhide ballpark. There's trees in left center field, so if it's a really, like, again, moonshot over the trees in left center field, like, that kind of thing, those kind of descriptions are what I want. Um, I don't think I have established myself as a broadcaster to just create one of those calls that I have. I think you need to have a few more years under your belt before you're allowed to do that. Um, one of the coolest things about, and this is actually... What I really like is the way that broadcasters are able, especially on TV, and able to tell stories about, you know, about the game itself. Like, do you, do you like when you when you have your color commentary? How do you guys bounce off stories and information off of each other? Like, how is that dynamic? Because as much as important to call like, you know, the pitch, location, everything. The color commentary is one that's supposed to give the information on what's happening, too. So how do you guys bounce off of each other? I actually didn't have a color commentator in 2019 with the Rawhide. I do all nine innings solo. Wow. Um, 
But what I did do was I did a few simulcasts with some of the other California League broadcasters. And what we did was switch off innings. And I, I think it's actually pretty easy if you're a play-by-play person to do color commentary because you understand play-by-play broadcaster needs in terms of time and room to breathe and you know when to come in. Basically, any time that the ball is like, quote-unquote, live between when the pitcher sets and the pitcher gets the ball back in his glove or the play is called dead, that's when the uh, play-by-play broadcaster is supposed to talk between then and then after that, the commentary can talk. But um, it's, it, it is a difficult dynamic to have. I've had it happen where uh, I was broadcasting for a summer collegiate baseball team in 2018, and I had two different color guys at one point and one of them I I also worked with him in college so we just had a better vibe we um just worked really really well together and we never interrupted each other the other guy he and I I felt like I was fighting for time like it was a competition and that's not what it's supposed to be you're supposed to be working together as a team so when you're you know around the mic you gotta know what to say, what not to say, when, when the mic's hot, when it's not, mm-hmm. and a great, great announcer, Tom Brenneman, his father's been around for millions and millions of years, and so, so has him, but he said something that he should have never said, and pe- mm-hmm. people heard it. What did you think of that situation, and, you know... I'm, I'm sure you would never do something like that, but would you always make sure that the mic is off? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought was, you're a vet, you should know better. Um, you know, to take away everything that he did say, which was obviously, um, to put it lightly, horrible. Um, you're supposed to always know the mic is hot. There's no excuse to not know it, and I've, I've caught myself because I'm also in the minors. You're your own sound producer, like an engineer, so I'm the one that's making sure my mic is muted when it's time for commercials. I'm the one going to commercials, and i found times where I don't think it was necessarily my mic, but it was the crowd mic that got left on, and I'm like, whoops, I'm not sure if they heard my conversation or not, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of a rule that... Between the first pitch of the game and the last pitch of the game, I don't curse ever. I don't ever say anything that I wouldn't be able to explain to my boss. And it's unfortunate that it happens to veterans and that they lose their jobs over certain things. Um, but it's a nice reminder for me. That's a good attitude to have. Um, one of the coolest things, I guess the coolest thing that happened in, in sports this year was the simple fact that we got to see the Los Angeles Lakers win the NBA championship. And I say cool because you saw the Lakers win the championship and the Dodgers win the World Series. And, like, isn't it cool to see two cities win at the same time because 
it doesn't happen every day. It, it don't happen every day that you're having like two, two team, like two cities winning championships in their respective, like a city winning championships in this respective sport. Isn't that pretty cool? It is cool, and you know, I'm I'm from the LA area. I'm actually in Hermosa Beach right now, which is a part of LA County. And hey. yeah, I, I didn't grow up, you know, a LA fan. I definitely grew up a Boston fan because of my dad. But it's it's exciting for the city whenever things like that happen, especially when like the world's crappy right now, and there's like you need to look forward to something. It's it's nice that you can just ignore other things or at least forget about it for a split second and just enjoy it. Um, that's what I I love about sports. It was always my outlet. And I am forever grateful to baseball and softball for that. And going off of, again, I'm not an L.A. fan, so I can't exactly speak to the excitement that other L.A. fans personally have about living in L.A., but it's great for the city. And I was in Boston for four years in college when the Red Sox and Patriots were having um, championship parades all the time going right by my school. It's, it's it's really fun to just have the city come together like that and to just be happy, like pure happiness. Yeah, that's the beauty of sports, you know. It, it It's just like a movie. It's for that moment in time. You can just focus on that. It doesn't have to be all serious. It, you know, it's just lighthearted fun. Seeing grown men make millions and millions of dollars playing a child's game, you know? It's it's fun, it's beautiful. And speaking of coming together, you know, I think it was 2014, um, the Boston bombing. And Yeah, what, uh, yeah 2013. Your, oh, 2013. What was your thoughts on all that and how, how Boston came together with David Ortiz's speech? So, um, that was the year before I ended up moving to Boston for school. I was a senior in college. Um, I was actually home on Marathon Monday. I was, I was homesick. And I remember getting text messages because I have family in Boston. And I, my friends were saying, is your family okay? What's going on? I was texting people. Um, and I obviously eventually went to school with people who were at the marathon when it happened. And, um... To, to be honest, seeing how the city of Boston kind of rallied together, Boston Strong is so huge, and how the Red Sox just gave life to the city. And, and that happens more than not. I mean, uh, I'm going to get the year wrong, but was it 04 that the Saints won the Super Bowl after um, the Hurricane Katrina? 09, 2009. Oh, on the, on wow, the, uh... way off. Way yeah, um, oh, off, but... <laughs> um, oh, five, the um, the oh, 05 Katrina hit, and they didn't get back into the Superdome until oh, 06. Okay, got it. I knew it had to do with Katrina. In my defense, I was young enough. <laughs> but um, it, but going back to that, going back to the Red Sox, it's it, it it's so cool to see a city rally behind something that that is traumatic and that's a tragedy. And when the Red Sox stopped the parade to put the jersey 617 on the Boston Marathon finish line with the trophy, it's it's huge. And, and Johnny Gomes is a big part of it, too. Um, he loved 
love the city of Boston, and he helped so much with, I guess, like repairing the the hearts of Boston. Um, and and to be honest, that season kind of reassured me that I wanted to work in sports. Um, I grew up going to church and volunteering, and I was thinking, like, is this really what I, what I want to do with my life? Do I really want to be a sports broadcaster? I could be doing something way more important that could actually help people in the world. And then I saw how sports can heal people, and it kind of made me sit back and realize, like, I can be a part of that. And um, did, so, you watch, yeah. did you watch Patriots Day? Yes, I did. What what was your thoughts on how they did it? Did you like it? Yeah, I I liked it. I think it was you know it's, it's Hollywood. They need to make it a little a little prettier, a little more um, dramatic. And again, I I can't speak to the feeling of being in Boston during that time because I came a year later. But I know people who were in Boston at the time, and and, and they weren't speaking negatively about the movie. Um, you know, it, it was a Boston guy who made the movie, so that made it a little bit better, I think. Wahlberg, yeah. Uh, now, Jimmy, before you get here, I need to wait for the rapid fire. Uh, Oops, sorry, I think I lost. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, ready? You ready, Julie? You ready for some rapid fire? Oh, God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> Um, you're, okay, who was your favorite athlete and, um, in any sport? And I know before, I know you said Pedro, but I'm going to take Pedro out of it. Who was your, who was your favorite athlete other than Pedro growing up? David Ortiz. I named my dog after him. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, um, who, is, um, who right now, um, is, to, is, in your opinion, the best player in baseball? Mookie Betts. Ooh. I respect that. Okay. What's your favorite sports movie? Bull Durham. Nice. I like Bull Durham. What was your favorite sports moment? Uh, Rawhide winning the championship in 2019. I respect that. I respect that a lot. Uh, Two quick ones. Who is your favorite? All oh, who's your favorite um, current athlete right now? LeBron James. LeBron. Nick. Nick loves that. Nick oh my loves God. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I have. To, I have to like make a comment. I don't know why I said it. But it, it came out of my mouth, and this is rapid fire, so whatever. <laughs> Le- I need to know why. LeBron over Brady, why? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, LeBron like, does so much for the world. He's, he's just a, a dope guy, you know? <laughs> All right, I get it. Uh, okay, um, la- um, last one. Um, do you think LeBron is the GOAT over Michael Jordan? Can I plead the fifth? <laughs> no, you gotta answer. No, you gotta answer. No, it's, 
And then another thing about working for the Rawhide is just, like, the players and coaches in the front office are all amazing. You, I've heard so many horror stories of women in baseball not being welcomed by players or coaches, managers, front office, and I was welcomed with open arms, and I, was imme- I immediately felt like I was a part of the team. And I credit the Diamondbacks and the Rawhide to that. That is fantastic, Julie, and I'm really glad that uh, we're able to talk, have this talk, even though the Mahomes question kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, and it really did, and it really kind of... It, it you really deserve that. You lot, take that on the chin, really, young man. I, I'm, I'm going to take that on the chin, but Julie, you are fantastic. You're the star. And we really appreciate you giving us a moment of your time. We wish you good luck on your mind league on your mind league season. And hell, we don't. I don't really listen to my mind league games, but you know what? Because of you, and hopefully, we'll we'll get to listen to some of your games. And we'll find the way. We'll soon. we'll find the website or something. <laughs> we will find the way to listen. Yeah. Yeah, it's through, you can, rawhidebaseball.com, you can find it through there. It's on an app called TuneIn. It's free. You have no excuse. You're on the East Coast, so like, my games start at 10 p.m. You got no excuse. Nice. Oh, okay. We, 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 we will definitely make sure of that. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you for coming Thanks on. for having me on. Thanks, guys. Take Bye.